Welcome everybody, it is 8.02 on nwczradio.com channel one. I'm Big D. And I'm Brandon. And we are about to go down the rabbit hole, baby. Oh yeah. I live for this hour. I, I do too. I've gotten more and more. I've always been kind of a conspiracy theorist, but the more we've gone into this, we're not or, conspiracy yes, theorists. We're conspiracy realists. We are conspiracy realists. Don't don't confuse the two. Yes, because we're not going. We will we will basically find the find the facts and present them to you, and you make your own decisions. Yeah, and I recognize that some of the some of the stuff that we're putting out there is complete BS, but it's garnered enough attention to take a look at, and usually there's a grain of truth in it. Yes. Usually Enough to garner our attention. I mean, if it's total BS, we are not touching it. No, no. But if there's enough there to examine it, we're going to, and we want to present the facts as we know it and allow you to make your own decision. We're not telling you what to believe. No. And we're not telling you this is how it is. What, we're tell- what we want to do on this program is we want to open the door or the portals or the mini doors and uh, explore just what the hell's going on out there. And let you guys open the doors and explore your own thoughts. And, and, and rather than like the rest of everyone listening to media and the media telling you exactly what's going on, open your mind and think about some of this stuff. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the media because um, today on the program, I don't know how much you know out there about our government and, for example, the CIA, which oh, yeah. is, uh, you know, I mean... Whether you know about Project 1794, which happened in uh, 1956 when the U.S. and Canada basically jointly tried to uh, produce a flying saucer. Actually, I didn't see that one. Yeah, no, that that's a real deal. Oh, uh, Project uh, Azorian, where they uh, <laughs> they tried to create a basically like a barge that had a it was almost like the claw game where they would go around and, and like latch onto a, a Soviet sub and pull it up to the surface. Nice. Uh, you also had Project Artichoke, where in 1951, they tried really hard to hypnotize and use drugs with um, foreign agents to basically as a truth serum. And uh, then we also had uh, the... Uh, as you mentioned, the media, where they infiltrated the media and, and they did Operation Mockingbird, where they basically went and blackmailed the media and forced them to give positive spins on stories that would have otherwise been you know, negatively put, put the U.S. in a negative light. Yeah, and I, I could see that. And, I'm and these are all real. This isn't conspiracy. Oh, this isn't conspiracy. These are all these concerned. are all actual things, which I mean, brings us to what th- this yes. what we're going to talk about tonight well, the one, too, you didn't mention Northwoods. That's one that I want to go into someday. Right, Northwoods and also MK Ultra. But what we're talking about today, and we're, this is what we're starting with today, is going to lead us into a, a series, probably for the next three or four weeks, Yes. of mind-bending facts, mm-hmm. mind-bending theories, mind-bending uh, you know, stories of what our government the United States, via yes. the CIA, has perpetrated on its citizens. And so, therefore, begs the, que- the question, what's going on now? Yes, exactly. Because I had a friend actually today that basically made the comment of, like, our government would never do this. And I'm like, look up this. See, and at the time, nobody knew that it was going on. Yeah, like, because it was all up. classified. Yep. These look are this all- up. And then all of a sudden, they came back and they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, exactly. No, no. Our government is nefarious to its own citizens, and we're, we're going to dive into that. And this is a proven, all this stuff, this is most, of, we'll, we'll tell you if any of this is like theory, but most of this is actually government documents. Part of this, I, part of what I got was off the CIA website. Yeah, which we'll get into that. But so what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, really was the beginning of the CIA. They, they, yes. they established themselves as they, as they are currently. Uh, there was, you know, you could go back and say, oh, they were there before that. But as, as an official agency in 1947 is when they basically became the CIA as we know them. Yeah, because before that, they were what, the OSS? Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, there's like five different acronyms that seem like they all kind of eventually they all came, came together. The CIA, right? The CIOS, the OSS. There's a bunch of them. There's quite a few of them. And their very first operation was post World War II, mm-hmm. and it was titled Operation Paperclip. Now everybody like laughs at the name of the of the operation, and even to these by today's standards, they're like, "Why was it called Operation Paperclip?" Well, because they they called it that because who they brought over here, who they recruited, they had to change, they had to whitewash the equivalent of scrubbing somebody from the internet. They scrubbed these guys from existence, and their new files were all paper clipped. Yes, and that's how they knew them. So before Brandon and I get into it, there's a lady who has written a book about this, and I I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. I don't have it, but I've seen hours of yeah. interviews and book clubs where she's come and talked, and and I, I highly recommend. You know, we talk about YouTube all the time, but you don't even have to go to YouTube. Just Google up Annie Jacobson, J-A-C-O-B-S-E-N, Annie Jacobson. It's amazing. She wrote a book called Paperclip, did massive research because it was actually Bill Clinton who opened the seal on a lot of these files unknowingly. Yeah. Like he just was like, yeah, we're going to declassify all this stuff. And Annie Jacobson like bulldogged on it and got in there and realized that these were part of Yes. It wasn't like Clinton goes, oh, yeah, let's open up the Operation Paperclip, you know? Yeah. No, it it just happened to be part of what opened up, and she jumped on it. And so here's just in a microcosm her talking about some of the more interesting parts of her book. It's about four minutes long, and then we'll be back to discuss and go down the rabbit hole on Operation Paperclip. That's right. These were Hitler's top weapons makers, and Operation Paperclip became a classified military program to bring them to the United States. It also had a public face, so there was on the one hand the truth about the program kept secret, and on the other hand the idea that we'll tell the, the public that these are the good Germans. And, uh, the good Germans, but they were dedicated Nazis, mm-hmm. the ones you write about. Uh, we should say there, there are many, 1,600 in, in yes, all, right? Yes, You document about 21 of them, dedicated Nazis, some, as I said, involved in horrific stuff. What they did was known, right, to the people who were, to the Americans who were seeking them out. Certainly to the American military intelligence officers mm-hmm. who were interviewing them. The idea that they were involved in war crimes was really necessary to be kept secret, and that's exactly what happened. And so in the book, I think I unveil a lot of the truth about this program that has remained clouded for decades. So give us an example of one of of the figures that intrigued you. Well, I think one of the worst case scenarios was that the United States military made the decision to bring Walter Schreiber. This was Major General Dr. Walter Schreiber, the Surgeon General of the Third Reich. He wound up at a military facility in Texas. And doing what? Well, in, during the war, Dr. Schreiber had been involved in uh, the vaccine program for the Reich, which sounds like a nice program, but it was actually a program to uh, work on protecting German soldiers from these biological weapons that were also being manufactured. So he was involved in war crimes and concentration camps. He became a prisoner of the Soviets and then defected to the United States, we saw him as someone who we absolutely wanted here for his knowledge. So in the United States, it still remains unknown what exactly he did, only that he worked for the U.S. Air Force in Texas. You know, this becomes, of course, a story of of practical versus ethical choices, right? To whether to decisions made, whether to look the other way or forget about the past mm-hmm. in order to advance and gain advantage over the Soviets, it should, should be said, during the Cold War. Absolutely. I mean, the Cold War got hot very quickly, mm-hmm. and the Soviet threat was this foreboding menace. And the idea was, certainly at the Pentagon and among the Joint Chiefs of Staff who were really running this program, was if we don't get these Nazi scientists, surely the Soviets will. Was there much debate at the time about about the ethics of it? Absolutely, there was a debate. And I think that's what makes the narrative so compelling, because you have some people 
including high-ranking generals at the Pentagon who are loath to work with Hitler's former scientists. Mm -hmm. And you have others who say, this must be done and it will be done. You said we, we don't really know much about uh, the case of Walter Schreiber, what he did. Mm -hmm. Some of them we do know, right? And the very famous cases, uh, most famous, is Werner von Braun. Yes, he came here. He was the head of our rocket program and brought 114 fellow V2 rocket makers with him. And this program, again, had a very beneficent face. Um, only now do we know the facts are very different about what those scientists were involved in at the end of the war in what was called the Nordhausen slave labor factory uh, deep in the tunnels that you had concentration camp pris prisoners building the V2 rockets. So in a case like that and others where we know that they they did ac they did accomplish things mm -hmm. for the US when they came here then the question and you write this does accomplishment cancel mm -hmm. out past crimes? That, I think, is the conundrum of Operation Paperclip. Mm -hmm. And I hope that people come to the, their own conclusion about that, because certainly uh, the idea that you would excuse some of this horrific, horrific behavior during the war becomes, uh, you know, that big moral question. And that was Annie Jacobson talking about uh, her book, the uh, Operation Paperclip, which is, that's the name of the book. And yeah. I, like I said, there are hours and hours of her. I watched quite a and bit. And she of has that. slideshows and pictures and all the, and, and it, it's quite fascinating. She did incredible work on and this all book. All the work she has, most of the stuff in that book, almost all the stuff is stuff she got approval from the, you know, Everywhere she got it from, and almost all of it is from documents. Yeah, none, none of it is, is hearsay. No. Uh, or, you know, our government speculation or anything. No, she did not go down that road. Now, she did. People have tried to poo poo her because her first book was about uh, Area 51. Yeah. And um, and that was her. I think that was her first book. And, and she did have some sources in there that people have discredited or whatever. And so they've tried to, you know, bring that into this book. But. People who are in the know, people who uh, know what's going on, no, 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 no. That this is all completely legit. What well, she's talking about. I think it's about. a lot like we talked last week with like Alex Jones and people like that who are right part of the time, <laughs> but they find like things to say. Okay, well, he can't be right ever because he was so far off on this one, and that's what I think a lot of people come with her. They're like, oh, on Area Fifty One, she had some bad intel. So she can't be right on anything she ever does. Right, but if you and I read that book. If you read the book, she doesn't say this is fact. No, she says I interviewed this person who claims this. She's not claiming it. No, they're claiming it. But you know, the the media and, and people yes. who are in the, the people who want to discredit, they'll do whatever they can. So and that's to, what we try to do is, it's like, okay, hey, this is what this person says. Right. You know, let's give you guys the information, and that's what she does. So I mean, yeah, I want to find. I want that book, and I want to read it. Oh, yeah, I, I I've, I've got it in my uh, to-buy list on Amazon, yeah. and uh, I'm looking forward to, to checking that out because she goes into extreme detail about, as she said in there, so Operation Paperclip, in just the beginning of it, in a nutshell, post-World War II, the, uh, the Nazis are being defeated. They, they've, they're, they're surrendering unconditionally, yep. and the, the Reich's falling, and literally, you know, people are... People who were involved in the horrors of that war from the Nazi side are either being killed or they're killing themselves or scattering across the globe, thus being captured and coming back to the Nuremberg trials. And so you have a lot of stuff going on here. But at the same time here in the U.S., because it didn't obviously it didn't happen on our soil, uh, we joined in to defeat you know, to, we joined yeah. in to, to you know, to help out, out the allies to, you know, help defeat this growing problem. But we had a bigger issue going on here. We, we were in, this was the early days of the Cold War between us and Russia. Yes. And everyone was worried Russia was going to get the information first. So That's the thing. And that's where our government had to make a decision. Do we allow them to escape to Russia uh, and let them use their mind power or in, in all their, you know, all their expertise, let's say, or do we attract, the, do we bring them over here 
and try to incorporate them into what we've got going on. Yeah. And so whether they flipped a coin or, you know, I don't know. Well, but, I know everything I read said, I mean, and originally it says that it was originally called Operation Overcast, but they ended up changing it to Paperclip later for some reason. But um, it was originally called Overcast, and actually the way they presented it to Truman was we want to do this, and Truman said, cool, I'm okay with that, but nobody with ta- Nazi ties. <laughs> right. And so they didn't tell him. Yeah. So they he, just he, went, he went a long time without knowing who they actually brought over here because this is how the CIA operates. Yeah. They're their own rogue, basically rogue in, agency. Yes. And they kind of have immunity and uh, are able to operate as within the country as their own laws, own rules, own everything. And so, yeah, so Truman was kept in the dark. Yep. And what they did is like, like we and heard. And then it wasn't even the CIA. It was the what? The joint, the J-I-O-A, which is, well, I don't know. The, I didn't even see what that one. J- J-I-O-A and Office of Strategic Services, which is the OSS. So they basically ended up becoming the CIA. Yeah, those through two. this project. Yeah, through that project. Through this project. because uh, And it was interesting. It's actually interesting how it evolved. because So they put the mandate out that we, want to, we would like to, have to get these guys. And it really started with a, a, basically a lower-level um, guy in the Army who was in charge of interviewing Nazi prisoners. Yes. So they, they rounded them all up. They had them in these camps, and then they would interview them and sort of vet them. Yeah. And he, he is the one who started noticing that there were some pretty high-level and very, very smart Nazis that were in the camp that he was at. And as he was asking them questions, he went to his superiors and said, I think... You know, these guys are not your average, like, jackboot thugs. They're not your average uh, walk-the-street guys. These are scientists, engineers, and incredibly smart. What do we want to do with these? And so they reported back to Washington, and Washington said, bring them over. Yeah. So 1,600 of the top scientists, top engineers, top biochemist top of the line the and again if you're in the nazi party and you're one of the top guys because they were all nazi party guys yeah and there's pictures of them with hitler hitler knew who they were yes they were they reported if not directly to him to the guy below him yeah and they knew him they knew him yeah and a lot of them had you know special uh clearances and passes they were you know part of the elite nazi party I mean, did they say Von Buren or Von whatever? Von Brown. Von Brown. He was a lieutenant in the SS. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we'll, we'll start with, with Von Brown. So, Von Brown uh, is one of the guys that they bring over. And Von Brown's an interesting cat because Von Brown, I think, was an opportunist. In my opinion, he saw the writing on the wall. He yeah. knew what was coming down. And so, he was like, I got to cut a deal. Like, I, I am not going to die at the hands of the Fuhrer and, you know, the other people. So he basically surrendered and just said, I, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out and here's everything I know. Do you want, do you want it? Right. But it, the thing about Von Braun is, is that he was uh, a huge part of the Nazi um, army, the army team. He invented basically the very first long-range long missile, which was yeah. the V-2 a rocket Which and they count for what like 5000 deaths yeah and it was faster than light speed nobody had it yeah it, he was a genius right. a genius. genius and and you know he he claims that he wasn't part of of any of the misuse but the people who were building his rockets were all prisoners many of yep. them died they worked 24 hours till they dropped uh and he knew this was going on yeah. So it wasn't, and he may not have been in the concentration camps, but it was the same thing. It was. They and worked until they died, and then next man up. Yeah, and he used the argument that, oh, I, I did it because it was either that or you'd be killed. So yeah, it's like not to sound bad, but you you let thousands. Oh yeah, and thousands, killed thousands and killed thousands 
die so that you could live. And I get that you're a genius, and I get what he did for the American, you know, space race and all that later, but, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, so he comes over to the U.S., and they plop him down in uh, Huntsville, Huntsville, Texas, which is just north of, of Houston, and he becomes part of NASA. And he basically was, he, you won't hear about this, and this isn't theory, this is fact. They just did not publish his name or, or attach his name to anything, yeah. but he put us on the moon. Yes. There's no doubt about it. And we beat the Russians to the moon because of him. Whether you believe we actually got there or not, that's a whole different story. But he created the rockets that took our all the Apollos and all of that. He, they, they took us to the moon because of his brilliance. Yes. Now, the, backs, the weird backside of, of Von Braun is once he got over here, this is why I think he was an opportunist. He really like latched. He just like embraced American culture. Yeah. He became a Christian. He started going to church. He became a real straight laced guy. Uh, he would go to work, come home. Which no problem. Of, which is why a lot of people believe, oh, you know, he was just trying to get out. But in that same sense, is, I mean, not to sound bad, if you're a good Christian. Well, but that was later. He wasn't when he was a Nazi, yeah, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of one of those, if you're that person and you have that kind of, you know, the good Christian. The moral fiber. The moral fiber that you would need to be a quote-unquote good Christian, which most people tell you they're good Christian aren't, um, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't have chosen to save his own life to kill thousands. No, I agree. No, he was a, he was a bastard. And he, he allowed and he witnessed many, many bad things go on. But on the other hand, you can't complain in those circumstances, right? Because you're not, you, he wasn't the dude in charge. No. He was one of, he was the top guy in his field, but there were others above him who were saying, build the rocket, build the rocket, build the yeah. rocket. We don't care what it takes. And so in order to stay alive, because also I, I read a, a story about where he was working and these weren't the these weren't the workers like the slave workers. These were the actual like Nazis that were working under him. Yeah. The slowest guys at the end of the week, they would hang out front as an example. Oh, nice. So as you came to work every week, you're like, well, there's uh, there's Heinrich and Fritz. And uh, they didn't they they weren't up to snuff this week. And there they are hanging. So I, I guess I better like step yeah. up the pace. Right. So he was part of that. Which I mean, it is the fear and the fear of keeping people going. It just—it's hard for me to under to understand myself because I don't know, and I'm not in that situation. But I don't know if I could, con even if I had the brilliance that he did, to be like, okay, I'm smarter than the rest of these people, so my brain matters more. So I better make sure. Yeah, it's I a stay lifeboat alive. situation, yeah. right? It's a lifeboat. Yeah, it is. So do I jump myself out of the lifeboat to save these people, or do I stay alive and let them die? But then the other thought is, even if I kill my, if I die. Doesn't that someone also just step up behind me? So it's it's a whole giant. It's that, right because you know, we can't get into the mind of the, the, the Third Reich, dilemma, yeah. And because the, the Third Reich had many many layers, and and oh, you lot. know there's all kind of stuff going on there, and you could die, you could be killed at the drop of a hat. But what's amazing is that our country, the United States, who was vehemently opposed, obviously, to, to the Nazis and Nazism. Shielded these guys like Von Braun and others we're going to get into from being prosecuted. Oh, yeah. So when the Nuremberg trial started, thus the paperclip thing, because they whitewashed these guys. Oh, big time. They completely extracted all of their Nazi involvement, their like, Nazi, Nazi party affiliation. Truman said anybody who was a part of the party or not welcome was in involved in any of the atrocious acts yeah. of the SS could not the be involved, could not be involved. And so the CIA skirted it. The OSS, this JI, but I don't know. Whoever they they changed and made all that stuff just disappear. Say, oh no, these guys were perfect yep. citizens. Then why were they? You know, he was and a doctor comes, on the corner. Yeah, and that comes back to the Ostenberg list. Did you read anything on that one? Uh, I did, but go ahead. But the Ostenberg list was something that Germany actually came up with. Was when all of a sudden things weren't going their way, and the, the tide was obviously turning. They started finding out who were the scientists, who were the brilliant minds that were out in the field. And all of a sudden they started pulling those people in to try and get those scientists. And that's where a lot of these scientists came from, was someone was able to get a hold, to get their hands on the Ostenberg list. 
Apparently, I think they said they found it in a toilet. Someone tried to flush it. Well, and that's the other thing about a lot of these scientists. Um, several of the scientists who came over here, because not all of them are tracked. A lot of them just no. disappeared. Yeah, they came over here and then just... Boom, we we don't know what they went into, whether they went into government service or they just went, the into, went to Montana. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I hid their hid what they did, and they went into witness protection. But there's or, a couple yeah. of them who um, took their um, data, their files, all their records, and hid them like in the mountains, hid them all around the country, and had to go back literally later, yeah, after the fact, retrieve them, and then bring them to the states. And so the U.S. brought them over here, kind of put them on ice for a while because they made all these great claims. We didn't know that. Yeah. We didn't know if it was legit or not. And they're like, no, 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 no. I, I hid all my files in the mountains over there. And when they finally got to it and found them, they brought them back and like, oh, wow, this, okay, this guy is yeah. legit. And so then we don't know what happened to him. I mean, think about it, 1600. Yeah, I mean, Von like Brown brought several over from his team. Yeah. Well, and I know in Paperclip, the book Paperclip um, that, oh, I already forgot her name, but uh, that she wrote. She, I think, really... They Annie said, Jacobson. Well, Annie Jacobson. She talks about 21. 21 that she followed. That she, like, followed what, where they went and what happened and what they did. And that's it. Out of 1,600. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, what, 1,579 that we don't know what they did? Right. And then there was another guy. Uh, one of the guys they also followed was Fritz Hoffman. I don't know if you heard about this guy. No, I missed So that Fritz one. Hoffman was responsible for figuring out biological warfare for the Nazis, right? Yeah. And so he was and did lots of tests, lots of tests on humans. You know, what nerve agencies work on, you know, do this, what nerve agencies do that. And then he also did a lot of nerve uh, of different gases and everything that would uh, kill foliage so you could see the enemies yep. and all this stuff. And so he was one of the fathers of Agent Orange when, yeah. when he came over here because uh, he died in 1967. But what, a lot of the stuff he brought over here, the CIA took, handed it over to the military and when we were in when we were in Vietnam, one of the problems they had was they couldn't see the enemy because it was so oh, yeah. heavily Sick covered brush. And, yeah. and so they would drop this Agent Orange that he developed and it would supposedly the the theory was it would kill all the foliage in a timely manner and then you could see them, right? Yeah. Well, think about how much this guy had to test. Yeah. You know, like I mean we obviously we weren't there, but it's documented that they did lots of testing on humans and plants and animals and all these things. And the CIA just take, turned a blind eye to it. They didn't because that's a lot of these sciences and stuff that I was researching is you find a lot of this stuff that it's, it's a read behind, between the lines situation and a lot of this because a lot of it was whitewashed and disappeared where a lot of this information you're like, you have to think about it like that. Where, where did they get this information? Where did they test this on? Hmm, I don't know. Concentration camps. Oh, most of them were. Yeah, and most of them were, and there some of them are documented that these they ran tests. Sarin gas was one that they talk about in different parts that was tested on. Yeah, it was called Tabun. Yeah, and it was one. a sarin-like chemical, and uh, they uh, they had laboratories on the German-Polish border. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Uh, they so British soldiers uncovered 175 forested bunkers. In um, that were storing aerial bombs with this nerve agent, and they called in the U.S. chemist, and they found that just one drop on the skin of a rabbit would kill it in minutes. Yeah, and there were 530 tons of it that they found, and they shipped it to Maryland. Yeah. And so I was like, was... does it leak? Nobody knows, right? No. They just like, oh wow, that's crazy. One drop would kill a rabbit. So what would you know? What would a glass do? You know, yeah, what would a, what would Maryland a cup? And see what happens. So let's go to Maryland and store it in a warehouse, and hopefully yeah. it doesn't leak. Yeah, and that's just it. And the, the Nobody is, knows. They no, don't tell the locals. No, they don't tell locals. And the other thing is, though, is how do they? How did the Germans develop this? How did they test it? Concentration camps. 
And that's one of the things, like I said, and a lot of it you find that you find out that a lot of these people they were brought over, the crazy, horrible shit that they came up with, they tested on people in those concentration camps. Those gas chambers, a lot of those were tests. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And that's the so that's the crazy thing about where you know where you can go down the rabbit hole on this oh, is yeah. so again we're talking the you know 45 to 47 is when they brought these guys over and a lot of them were young you know they lived into the 60s and 70s and like you know like von braun went into nasa yep. you had others who went into um we don't know what some um, a lot of them went into rocketry. Some went into, some went to Boeing. Yeah, there's one. The B two stealth bomber was actually designed by a German. German. Yeah. That basically, and actually, I think what it was. One of the things I was reading, they said that it was two brothers that actually designed the original idea for the B two stealth bomber, and they it wasn't them, but their boss that ended up going to Boeing, and then all of a sudden the B two started coming out. Right, and so, and that is that that is the interesting thing about this is so these guys came, they bring them over, they infiltrate the system, right? Yeah, and they go into these pretty high level positions: NASA, Boeing, um, Lockheed Martin. Yeah, and, and and then those the other ones who were the chemical, you know, they went into pharmaceuticals and were started working for big companies, and they scrubbed them and they just disappeared into the what we'll just call the machine. Yes. Right. And so when you hear about landing on the moon rockets, you hear about the B-1 bomber, you hear about drugs, you hear about Agent Orange and all this stuff. It's never, ever attributed to these individuals. But think about how the U.S. manipulated these guys, you know, brought them right. over. They set them up nicely. I mean, they all had a yeah. house. They had, uh, you know, anonymity. Uh, they were almost like, you know, an undercover sort of, you know, uh, kind of thing. Most people didn't know who they were. Uh, they, you know, they'd go to the grocery store, hang out and whatever. Some of them even changed their names. And this is all going on under the nose of every U.S. citizen. It wasn't public. It wasn't on the yeah. news nightly. People weren't tracking them. Uh, even the president didn't even know most of this stuff. And so that's why, you know, people who tell me, oh, well, you know, the CIA would never, you know, go against the United States or never do anything that was, you know, illegal or never yeah. do anything that's super nefarious. Well, this is 1947, 45 to 47, 48, the, 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 the beginning of this. Yeah, the beginning. And one of those things, once you start going down this rabbit hole, like I said, we'll be doing this for We'll stay on this subject three or four weeks, and everything that it leads into MK Ultra, Northwoods, everything else that just shows how much our government wouldn't do to us. Right. So speaking of uh, going MK Ultra, I, I think one of the most nefarious guys that they brought over, without a doubt, and this guy literally disappeared when he got here. He, we know he came here. We know he went to San Antonio, Texas, and we know he went to work for the military. And that's where it ends. And that's a guy named Walter Schreiber. Oh, yeah. Walter Schreiber was, without a doubt, he was probably the highest-ranking Nazi member of all these that they brought over. And he was, he was directly involved with human experiments at the Dachau concentration camp. He uh, headed the, uh, when he got over in 1943, and over, he headed the uh, third session of the advisory specialist of the armed forces for the Nazis. Oddly enough, he, sp he spoke out momentarily against human experimentation in general, uh, especially with bio biological agents such as plague and typhus. Um, and then, and later at the Nuremberg trials, he pointed out that bacteria and all kind of dangerous things he, he witnessed being, you know, propagated on the, the people that were in, you know, in captivity. Yeah. Um, but he was a lion SOB. This guy, this guy was very much into, he was a chemist and he was really, really into, um, developing all kinds of biological well, uh, you know, warfare agents, all kind of 
biological <clears throat> um, truth serums and was really heavy into drugs. Like really heavy into using drugs to, you know, pull out of people the like a truth serum type thing. Mm -hmm. So they would uh, they would literally capture people. He would his crew. They, they, when, when the soldiers would capture somebody, they would send them to him. And then he would pump them full of all these, these drugs and everything and then ask them questions. Yeah. And, and it was all different drugs. He was, it, they were experiments. Yeah. And he would ask for certain style of people, certain type of people. Um, there, was, there was one I read where uh, there was, a, it was like a, a, a memo that was sent to because there was no emails back then. But it was like some memo where one of the um, Nazi troops sent a memo to him and said, we have like 100 prisoners and, and here's the rundown on them. And he said, okay, great. I want these, th these 20. Yeah. And then they wrote back and said, uh, oh, yeah, sorry to let you know that half of those have died. Um, and so what do you want us to do? And he said, well, send the rest. And when you get new ones, send those. But I want them this specific type, you yes. know, healthy, 20s, um, you know, a certain ranking in the military. Because, you know, if you're just a boot, you're just a, you know, a, a boot on the ground, you, you're just following orders. Yep. But if you're a sergeant or you're a lieutenant or something, you got, you got a little more and he wanted to extract that. Well, this is the guy <clears throat> who, when they brought him over here, they completely scrubbed everything. And he went to San Antonio and that was it. There's no record, none whatsoever after that. People know when he died. It was announced when he died. But people, nobody knows what he did. Nobody knows where he lived. Nobody knows what branch of the military because there's the Army and the Air Force there. Yeah. And they don't, was he working for both, whatever. <clears throat> but the theory is, and we'll get into this more as we go down, the theory is, is that he was basically the father of the MK Ultra project, which I believe, because once you go start going deep in MK Ultra, you start realizing how much paperclip really was, you know. And, and this well, it was it was the launching pad. It was the launching pad. I mean, paperclip is the mother of them all. I mean, paperclip started these all. And on, it's fitting that we start on Mother's Day with paperclip, which, like I said, is the mother. This is the one that started MK Ultra. The uh, Montauk, it, Northwoods, all of these stem out of out of paperclip. Right. Well, and the interesting the uh, interesting thing I think about Schreiber is is um, so he did go to so he he arrived in New York with about his his wife, uh, his son. I think it was like his mother in law. Uh, 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 there were like three or four of them, and they. Um, the crazy thing is that the manifest of the ship that they arrived on does not list him at all. It has no, no documents for them. But when you look at the documents, it just says paper clips. Oh, nice. Right? So no name, no, no nothing. Just these are paper clips. That's all that was there. And, and that's public knowledge. That's yeah. not like, oh, we're making this up. Like that, no. You can actually look that up. It's there. Uh, in the 1951, the, the New York Times reported that he was working for the Air Force School of Medicine at Ralph uh, at Randolph Air Force Base in Texas. But that's been debated because, like I said, there's the Army and the Air Force. Yep. People think he was working for both. People were. I think he's probably CIA. Most stuff that you know, yeah, he was Texas. definitely CIA, and so he could have been working both sides of the of the aisle in the yep. military. But he was in the School of Medicine, and also crazy enough was. There was a, a lady named uh, Janina Iwanski, and she was being treated at Beth Israel Hospital in Boston, and she was a, 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 a Nazi prison camp survivor. And they showed her a picture of Schreiber and asked if he was the scientist who had experimented on her at the Ravensbrück concentration camp. Oddly enough, she said no but that he was there. So again, my, my personal interpretation of this, because he was the top guy, yeah. he had his lackeys doing it, right? Oh, yeah. He just collected the data. He told them what to do. 
then inject him with this. Guy. You didn't do it. It wasn't you physically. Right. He didn't physically inject him. He, but he was the top guy, so he collects the data and, you know, how's patient X, patient Y, you know, how's that going? Anyway, uh, so her, the reason this came out is because her physician contacted the Boston Globe and started a petition to have Schreiber investigated. Well, guess what? He, of course, claims he was never there. It never happened. And then it just completely disappears. Next thing you know, his contract is not renewed with the Air Force base. And he goes to California for a nanosecond. And then uh, the Joint Intelligent Objectives Agency, which is the CIA. Yeah. They arrange visas for him to move to Argentina. <laughs> so he goes to Argentina. And from there he goes. Uh, so he went from New Orleans to Buenos Aires and becomes a quote country doctor and dies in 1970 down in Argentina. So when the heat came on, yeah. Somebody recognized him. They recognized the picture. She was pro- this whoever this poor soul was. She is obviously in the hospital. She's traumatized. She's telling all these stories. And she sees this person and it's like that that's, the, that's and the so man. they show him a picture and she's like he was there. Of course, you know, the Nuremberg trials are pretty much wrapped up by then, but you can always reopen a case. Oh, you can. And, and a all of a sudden, guys. he disappears. They, yeah. they, they, they clear him out of the country. Well, I think a lot of these, I mean, it's one of those, I mean, and it sounds bad to say this, because, I mean, what they did for the Nazis was horrible, but most of them probably said, hey, we'll either, we're going to give you immunity and let you come move to the United States, and you're going to have to deal with the Nuremberg trials. I mean, not to sound bad, but if I was one of those guys, they'd be like, cool, sign me up. You know, and this guy, I mean, and it's one of those things, if you go down really deep down the rabbit hole, you start seeing that a lot of people think Hitler even survived this and died in Argentina. Yeah, I'm not buying that. But I'm not buying that one. But I um, think he died in, in Germany. And, uh, he either killed himself or he had somebody kill him. Yeah. Because, you know, what a bastard he was, no oh. doubt about it. But it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the captain goes down with the ship. It is, and I, I think it's one of those things a lot of people are like, well, he had all this. He didn't really have a whole lot of knowledge. It was everybody. No, 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 no. He, no. he, he was, was he, really yeah. good at manipulating people and making people who had knowledge. He was Thomas Edison. Do, yes. You just exactly. hire people. Yep. You have a crazy plan. You hire people who are brilliant to carry it out, and you take the credit. Yeah. And you get rid, of the, get rid of the leader and take away, take all the, which is exactly what we did. We got rid of the leader and then took all the pawns. One of the other things I thought was interesting about Operation Paperclip is um, there were several people, you know, because we talk about, you know, nowadays with like YouTube and TikTok and Facebook. And I mean, there's all kind of conspiracy theories all over and you can go down major rabbit holes and, you know, call BS on most of it. Yes. Or, you know, there's a grain of truth here or there. But there was none of this back then. There was no no, there were no cell phones. You had the newspaper and that was it. Maybe. And the radio. And the newspaper can be controlled by the government, which is another. Well, the CIA. Yeah, that's another. We'll talk about that. But. There were a few people back then, high-profile people, who were not fooled by this at all. And, and I thought this was fascinating. Uh, one of them was Eleanor Roosevelt, who uh, publicly, she figured it out, and she decried the program. She said, this is awful. <clears throat> this should never be happening. And they, they basically shut her down. They refused to interview her because once she started, the, she started a campaign. She was going to the newspaper. She was going oh, to wow. the, you know, the radio stations. I didn't catch that one. Yeah, and she was like, this, this can't happen. And they basically refused to talk to her because I'm sure the CIA stepped in and said, don't talk to her. Yeah. The other one is a name you might recognize was Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein figured out what the hell was going on. And he, same thing. He started railing against it. And how, I mean, Einstein. Oh, yeah, Einstein. Come on. He's probably fearing for his life, you know? So he started a campaign, and they shut Einstein down. The CIA stepped in, said that he's gone loony. Yep. Don't talk to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. There's nothing, no, nothing going on here. You know, everybody relax. Uh, Einstein stayed up late and working too hard on his theories. These aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you had Eleanor Roosevelt and you had Albert Einstein, among others, but those were the biggest names that I noted who figured it out 
and came out against it and got shut down. So that was interesting. And then uh, in 1947, uh, you know, because they were talking and other people were talking, people started to get a little concerned. And because, you know, there's alternative press and word of mouth and different things. Well, General Eisenhower, who was then the U.S. Army Chief, Chief of Staff, demanded a briefing. He wanted he wanted to know what the F was going on here. Yes. I mean, this is Eisenhower, who was not playing. Yeah. And he didn't play. He wasn't the president yet. That was just he was. No, the, but the he general. was he was a great before he became president. He oh, yeah, was a he was, great yes. general. And, and very well respected. So he demands everybody get together. I want to be informed on this. It lasted a whopping 20 minutes. That was the entire briefing. The CIA came in for 20 minutes, fed him a bunch of bullshit, and then walked out. And uh, he then said he approved of the project, not knowing what it was, because they completely lied to him. And and I think that was the thing is I think it's one of those things that goes back. To, I mean, we're talking about it for an hour, and we're not even going into we can, we no. don't have time to go into the mass detail, and we don't even have the like the inside info intel. No. So the CIA comes in and for twenty minutes tells the top general in the United States, soon to become president, that uh, no everything's good, there's nothing going on here, everything's okay, and then he's like thumbs up, it's okay. And that's just it. That's one of the things. I mean, I, I think you, you don't see it as much now. You see people starting to question things more. I think they questioned back then. But like you said, we didn't have they, there was no social media. So there's nothing like now where we can get on here and we're on a podcast and we can send this all over the world saying, hey, look at what the hell happened. Where back then they're just like it was, you know, you said it to your news agent and you, the news is like, yeah, we can't print this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also think. I wasn't alive then, obviously, uh, but you can only watch news clips, talk to people who were there, which, yes. you know, there's not a lot of them around. Um, you, and you can read history books, sort of get a feel for what was going on. Uh, it, like, again, it was newspaper mm-hmm. and it was basically the radio. Yeah. And the CIA control both. Because TV was in its infancy. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot. I mean, it was only really rich people. It was, what, we, nobody had four TVs in their no, house. It wasn't like it is now. Yeah. And there was. were maybe three, two, three channels. I don't even know how many were channels were going on at that time. I don't know. Because I can remember even when I was a kid, there was like 13. five. I had 13. I, when I, I was a kid, we had uh, ABC, NBC, CBS. You had PBS. There were a couple of UH, UHF yep. channels that were local, and, and that was the, it. Well, then you had the, the, the public access. Where you yeah, but see, the, I'm older than you. The crazy naked chick dancing. That was, but when I was a kid, yeah. it was still black and white TV. I well, remember when color came in. So I, I, well, I, remember, I was born in 65. I was born in 77. So right, I'm, so I'm, I'm a little ahead of you. And my, and my dad, I remember my dad had the, the original like satellite dish. Yeah. That was like 12, huge, twelve foot diameter. Si- I know. I always dish. loved. I always loved rolling through the countryside, and you'd see some like single wide trailer yeah. with a massive dish that was about the size of the trailer out front. Yeah. We had. I mean, we had a good. We had a full acre yard, but then we had a huge garden right in the middle, and smack dab in the middle of that garden was this huge like satellite satellite dish. Right. I never had that. We never had that because I always lived in the city. Um, and we, you know, just got, you got reception, Mm -hmm. but people don't remember rabbit ears. People don't remember putting tin foil on or antenna on the top of your house. Your dad sending you up there to adjust it and making sure to stand in just the right position. So so think about this is, this is in the forties, right? So, uh, TVs, it it was a whole different world. It was. I mean, you had the the radio was what everyone went by. I mean, that's why a lot of people like war of the worlds Were you really seriously that happened. Yes, because back then, oh, that's they were where freaked. you got your news. Absolutely freaked out. Yes, and you trusted them, right? Yeah. I mean, they were they, they were they back then. They were a much more trustworthy, I, I would say. Although they were still manipulated, and we'll get to that in another episode. Yes, but this is the fascinating thing about to me about this whole thing. Uh, yes, it's a. Ter- I, I think it's a terrible thing that they brought it them is. over. Um, did it help the U.S.? Ah, yeah, I guess. You know, we went to the moon. And and there was a lot of things that came out of NASA that that it furthered. NASA, it was the the rockets. I mean, military, the rock, weapons, the military weapons, military weapons, the rockets, like, 
I love right. the Scud missiles came out of people from, you know, that well, they came set, over from they Germany. set a lot of the wheels in motion for things yes. we invented later. Like they set the groundwork for yep. it and we, and we took it, but we didn't have the initial knowledge. No. And that's it. It's a lot of it. There's a lot of like speculation that we wouldn't have gotten there first. No, and then, no I way. Mean, if it wasn't for the fact of operation paperclip, there's a lot of speculation that we would have lost the cold war. Oh, we would have. Because There's no question about the, it. If Russia would have had these guys, they would have got all the information that put us ahead in the space race and us ahead with the Scud with the missiles and all that stuff that put us ahead of Russia and had us beat Russia. We would have lost because Russia would have had all that. Right. So the question then begs itself: Does do the ends justify the means? Because um, are you are we okay with the fact? And I think that's the conundrum, right? Yes. I, I can't answer that question. Was it okay to bring them over? Was it okay to give them immunity? Was it okay to scrub their Nazi ties? Was it okay to forgive their atrocities in order to benefit us? And don't kid yourself. It's happening right now. Oh, it is. You know, that, th- th- this, again, this didn't all come to true fru- fruition and light until Bill Gates, I mean, <laughs> Bill Gates, until yeah. Bill Clinton... Un- unknowingly unknowingly put these out there put the opened up a bunch of files that allowed access and annie jacobson just happened to be the first yeah. one in there and and wrote a killer book on it but and it's um, the moral obligation that you even think about because it's one of the things that we've argued recently when all of a sudden there, there's a bill trying to be passed in washington that would have let the green river green river killer go free and it only lost five to four right <laughs> Right. One vote would have sent it the other way. Yeah, so like, who are the four idiots? Yeah, and you're like, who the... But then you look at it and say, you know, which agreement with killer obviously doesn't have a brains that would have done anything like these guys. No, but, but why do they want him out? Van Buren, or Van Brown. Van Brown. His accomplishments, what he did for the, the, the Nazis, killed in a, a, a very... Well, it can't even be totaled. Yeah, a low guess is 25,000 people. Yeah, and, that, and we, nobody will know. And nobody will ever know what it really. We don't was. know how many subjects he, got, he killed. We don't know he how got many us to the moon. So is that twenty five thousand lives worth getting to the moon? And that's where the whole moral, the moral complexity. Of and this again, comes I, I think a lot. You know, those. I think those were positive outcomes with it, and and also beating the Russians, which was the main goal for yes. bringing them over here, that was, was to win the co- the Cold War and to use. You, but so, in my opinion. Fine. You capture if you legitimately capture somebody in war who can benefit you. It's been done, yeah, from the beginning of time. However, you don't set them up in a house. You don't give them a car. No. You don't give them money. You don't let them just be and right. You don't give them complete anonymity. Right, and then usher them out of the country when things get hot. And Most of these people, like you said, I mean. In her thing, it talks like 21 people out of 1,600. Yeah, we don't what know. What happened to those other 1,579 people? Yeah, nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, I, I, a lot of them, their names never appear. No. They just were called paperclip. Yeah. You know, and this is a, a paperclip them, it's like, person. You know, how many, you know, how many of our, you know, our friends do we know of that their grandparents were actually some horrible, you know, Nazi whatever that just they're, they're everything got scrubbed and they got you know yeah and they got sent to america and yeah. they got to live out their life and because they were some benefit to johnson. some some agency or whatever yeah. oh you're gonna be a benefit to boeing your name's johnson now you go live in seattle right and don't say a word don't and say we'll a word. and we'll, we'll check in every now and then yeah. and if things get hot let us know and we'll and protect make your you. accent go away right or you know there's germans in america who yeah. just say yeah no i've been here my parents came over in you know 39 or whatever i was like i mean my family i'm only second generation american on my dad's side yeah so it could be easy my i mean my grandfather was in world war ii on for the americans but he was he was born in either the argument is is he was either born in england on the boat or here nobody knows for sure Right, so it could but, have been in process. You know, and I have friends whose family are Germans. You know, I mean, one that's first-generation German. Yeah, and the you know, fascinating... And how do you know any the, of this? The fascinating thing to me about Paperclip was because the CIA... I think if this thing had failed, it would have completely reshaped how the CIA yes. did things. 
But because it worked and because they fooled everybody and because they pulled it off, they they, they became worse and worse and worse. And I don't know that they've gotten better. Oh, no, I mean, we're seeing it in real time here with the Steele dossier mm-hmm. and Michael Flynn and, and all these crazy things, you know, the Russian collusion supposedly against Trump that's now falling completely apart. This was all CIA, yeah. you know, uh, setting up, you know, complete f- false documents and all kind of falses. And it went to the top. Don't kid yourself. And what they were accusing the other uh, Trump and his team of doing, they were guilty as hell of doing. And and, then so. and if, if it wasn't for some like some serious bulldog and determination, a lesser person would have completely folded. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. A and lesser would person have. would have completely folded. And the thing you run into with like you know paperclip back then. You didn't have the bulldog that you could get now. You don't have the press. You didn't have the press. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have all these avenues. You had to literally like go down to the you know to wherever the documents were and look for them. If you could find them, if you could find and most them. of them were scrubbed out anyway, yeah. or classified, or burned. or burned, or whatever. So paperclip, then what it does is leads us to, and I go back to Walter Schreiber. Walter Schreiber who was a big part of Paperclip, one of the guys, and and he was probably the most nefarious of all the Nazis that came over here. When he came over here, right. But he goes to San Antonio. He goes to Randolph Air Force Base. He's working for the CIA and the military. And all hell breaks loose. And that's where we're going to go into start next week. Yes. Into the MK Ultra, like off the rails. Cra- you think the Nazis were the only ones experimenting on people? Oh, no. no Wait till no, you no. find out what the US and Canada jointly did to our citizens, Canadians, and a lot of people believe it's still going on to this day. Oh, yeah. MK Ultra, the, yeah, yeah there's. And MK Ultra leads into like six other different areas that right. you can find. So we're going to start with MK Ultra. Stuff, yeah, we're going to go down. We're going to look into that deep, and it may take a couple episodes. It may. Uh, MK Ultra is deep because from there, yeah, it goes into the Butterfly Project, and it goes into all uh, again back to the Mantoc, media. Montauk. Montauk. It, it goes deep, but it's North all Wood. started with Paperclip, and the next step, the one we're going to really dive into we'll start next week and we'll probably get halfway through it is mk ultra oh yeah but uh so that's our episode today although we do have a uh putting things into perspective oh do we yeah so uh i'll see you next week oh i'll be here next week and for those listeners for pudding tomorrow pudding is actually on the love and hate radio show at eight o'clock so oh well there you go so if you tune in to nwcz radio what time eight o'clock eight o'clock tomorrow night eight o'clock tomorrow night pudding will be on as a special guest but in the meantime this is pudding putting things into perspective i'm big d and i'm brandon and this is uh, nwcz radios down the rabbit hole you can also go over to anchor uh what's it called anchor anchor.fm anchor.fm itunes we're on iTunes. itunes we're on all everything spotify, spotify uh stitcher Type in NWCZs down the rabbit hole. We're there. I know a lot of you have been listening. We've seen the numbers, and we thank you. Yes. This is it. Putting things into perspective. We'll see you next week. See you later. Hey, this message is for rabbit hole. This is Putting. Hey, Big D and Brandon, listen. Operation Paperclip. There's a million ways you can go with this one but let me put some things into perspective here okay one of the big shots walter scheiber walter scheiber was essentially uh hitler's surgeon general he ends up in america uh he's a vaccine specialist isn't that uh quite interesting right now that's that's what he did he was all about the vaccines now, also, let's take a different look here. Look, look at IBM. They funded the Nazi Party. Uh, and what, what Paperclip doesn't talk about is all of the, the Nazis that came to work for civilian companies like IBM. Now, listen to this. What if, what if these Nazis and IBM, what if they had a baby? And that baby was all into, like, you know, vaccines and computers. Do you know anybody like that? Yeah, and also, I'm just willing to bet 
Walter Scheiber's wife was ugly. That's all I'm saying. All right, this is putting putting things into perspective. Peace, love, and hippie beads. I'm out. Mm-hmm.